It's 6 p.m., and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, April 26th, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Kelly Reese returns Friday. In Sacramento, lawmakers will hold a hearing on legislation aimed at creating buffer zones between homes and warehouses where companies store and distribute goods. The California Report covers the ongoing debate over warehouses and the health threats they might pose to people who live near them. Then, after a look at local news and weather, KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with Marianne Connolly of the Alliance for Workforce Development about an upcoming Grass Valley job fair. That's all before News Director Claudia Mendoza talks with Public Information Officer Taylor Wolf about May 10th's public hearing concerning the proposed Idaho-Maryland mine project. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Buckle in for a long summer when it comes to the threat of flooding. That's what Governor Gavin Newsom told people yesterday in the San Joaquin Valley. KVPR's Joshua Yeager reports. The dirt levee is just outside Corcoran. It's an inland farm town that's now almost waterfront, as torrential rains revived Tulare Lake that was drained in the early 1900s. Behind the governor, water stretched as far as the eye could see. Only silos from a flooded farm interrupted the seeming ocean. When I'm placed like this, it's usually with the worst behind us, when in fact where we're standing likely will be underwater in a matter of weeks, if not months. That's because millions of gallons of melted snow are destined for the lake bed as the mercury soars. Despite a coming heat wave, officials say reservoirs will staunch the flows for now. For the California Report, I'm Joshua Yeager in Corcoran. Another effect from the snow melt, much of Yosemite National Park will be closed to the public starting on Friday due to flooding concerns. The eastern part of the park will remain closed until at least next Wednesday. Park officials say the western Yosemite Valley will remain open. The Eel River, which runs nearly 200 miles from Mendocino to Humboldt County, has been named one of the most endangered rivers in the country. Historically, the Eel has been home to one of California's most productive fisheries, including Chinook salmon and steelhead trout. Megan Quinn is with the advocacy group American Rivers. One of the major issues that those species are facing is an inability to access cold water refuge in a warming climate. There are two dams on the Eel River. Scott Dam and Cape Horn Dam, both of which together act as a total barrier to that high-quality habitat. Those dams are part of Pacific Gas and Electric's Potter Valley Hydroelectric Project. But the license for both dams recently expired, and PG&E has been ordered to come up with a decommissioning plan by this fall. Quinn says this gives federal officials the perfect opportunity to fully remove the dams and return the Eel River habitat to what it was. Later today in Sacramento, lawmakers will hold a hearing on legislation aimed at creating buffer zones between homes and huge warehouses and logistics centers where companies like Amazon store and distribute mountains of goods that a lot of us might order online. The state legislation is the latest development in an ongoing debate over warehouses and the health threats they might pose to people who live near them. The center of that debate is the Inland Empire east of Los Angeles. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos reports. It's a sunny spring morning in Riverside, and Jen Larratt-Smith is walking through a field of yellow and purple wildflowers. So we're standing right behind my house. It's the home she shares with her husband and two kids. They moved here in 2011. Behind it, on this clear morning, bikers fly along the dirt trails and dog walkers meander among flowers currently in bloom. But Larratt Smith is worried it won't be an open space for long. 
when I look out in my backyard, I look out on the fields and on the military bunkers that they're planning to blast. So I'm right here on the edge, the periphery. This 360 acres used to be part of the March Air Force Base, and it's still dotted with the bunkers used to house munitions. It's now surrounded on three sides by suburban homes and a megachurch. To the east, it's a freeway, Interstate 215. Lorette Smith's home is on the edge of what could become a business park that includes more than 4 million square feet of warehouses, enough to comfortably house 69 whole football fields. If approved, the development would join more than 4,000 existing warehouses in the Inland Empire, which spans both Riverside and San Bernardino counties east of L.A. Yeah, the logistics industry has really taken over a lot of this region. Over time, we looked around and we were surrounded. Larratt Smith is part of a coalition of neighbors, environmental groups, researchers, and others who are pushing back against this proliferation of huge logistics centers. Earlier this year, they asked Governor Gavin Newsom to impose a moratorium on new warehouse construction here. They're also supporting the bill that would create a thousand-foot buffer zone, less than a quarter mile, between new warehouses and sensitive sites like homes, hospitals, and schools. Their argument? That these warehouses, which generate an estimated 200 million truck trips each year, shouldn't be right next to where people live and play. That the trucks clogging freeways and city streets are emitting dangerous chemicals, contributing to air pollution, and making people sick. And that most of the economic benefits of the warehouses aren't actually helping the Inland Empire anyway. Susan Phillips is a professor of environmental analysis at Pitzer College. She says low-income communities of color are bearing the brunt of these warehouses. You know, everybody we know who lives close to warehouses, they have asthma, their children have asthma. Their kids get bloody noses when they play outside. Yet the proliferation of these giant industrial buildings has a lot of supporters, including virtually every chamber of commerce in the region and many labor unions. Most city councils and other government agencies have been happy to welcome the developments, citing jobs in trucking and logistics and at the warehouses, as well as the region's proximity to the busy Southern California ports. Adam Regley is with the California Chamber of Commerce, which is leading a coalition opposed to AB 1000, the 1,000-foot setback. He says that buffer is based on old science, with truck fleets becoming cleaner in recent years. And Regley argues that if the Inland Empire won't host these warehouses, they'll simply be built further from the coastal ports, and the trucks will still be driving these same highways. California's ports literally move 40% of the nation's goods. Those ports aren't moving If you move the logistical use facilities farther and farther out, the irony is these trucks still will be coming to and from the ports. They will drive through those communities. Neighbors like Lorette Smith, though, say they've basically become a parking lot for the rest of the state and nation and are paying the price. They'd like to see a complete stop to new warehouse construction, but say for now, a thousand-foot buffer zone would be a good start. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos in Riverside. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines their pursuit of good health, on the web at chcf.org lbca. Paint Care, now with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, 
whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, April 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. In regional news, a media release from the Nevada County Sheriff's Office announced today that Nevada County Sheriff Patrol deputies made two arrests overnight following an investigation into stolen mail. The initial incident took place at a Lime Kiln Road residence and occurred on April 14th. But the victim reported new credit card fraud on April 25th at approximately 3.30 p.m. after discovering that their recently issued Home Depot credit card reflected multiple fraudulent purchases. The victim was able to provide copies of the transactions, along with possible suspect information that led to a probationer's residence on the 17,000th block of Patricia Way in Alta Sierra. Deputies responded to the residence at approximately 1 a.m. this morning to conduct a probation search at the home of the suspects, who were identified as 22-year-old Shayla Rogers and 34-year-old Michael Price. During the search, deputies located and recovered over $2,500 worth of stolen property matching the fraudulent transactions on the victim's stolen Home Depot card. Deputies arrested Shayla Rogers for possession of stolen property and identity theft and Michael Price for possession of stolen property and violation of probation. They were both booked into the Wayne Brown Correctional Facility. The San Francisco Chronicle is reporting that as the historic heaps of snow on California mountains begin to melt, authorities across the state are warning the public about dangerous water flows roaring down popular spring and summertime rivers. The perils are particularly concentrated on the western slope of the central Sierra, which includes the American and Yuba rivers. Mike Howard, Auburn Sector Superintendent for the State Department of Parks and Recreation, spoke about current conditions. Quote, Right now, the rivers are deadly cold and fast. Nobody's seen anything close to the flows and volumes of water we're seeing, and it'll probably be like this well into July. I think this is going to likely cause a spike in drownings. Signs posted at popular beaches near Auburn read ominous messaging meant to get people's attention. One along Old Forest Hill Road that leads to Auburn State Recreation Area warned River Deadly Cold on Wednesday. River visitors are advised to plan carefully, provide a precise itinerary to a friend or loved one, wear life jackets, avoid fast water, and travel with friends. You can find more tips and safety information on the Department of Boating and Waterways website. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 54. Thursday, sunny with a high near 81. Thursday night, Clear with a low around 56. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 38. Thursday, sunny with a high near 70. Thursday night, mostly clear with a low around 40. The National Weather Service has posted a flood watch for Truckee and Lake Tahoe that will be in effect from April 27th at 5 o'clock p.m. until May 1st at 9 a.m. It reports that flooding caused by snowmelt continues to be possible. They advise that those living in areas prone to flooding should be prepared to take action should flooding develop. In addition to that flood watch, the National Weather Service also released a special weather statement pertaining to this warmer spring weather. The statement reads that, quote, These warm temperatures, along with mild overnight lows, will result in melting of our snowpack. Consequently, high river flows are anticipated across much of the region. Water will be swift moving and very cold, so be cautious in approaching a riverbank. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, clear with a low around 57. Thursday, sunny with a high near 91. Thursday night, 
clear with a low around 60. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Nevada County job seekers might be interested in hearing that a free meet-your-match job fair will soon be coming to Grass Valley. 24 different employers will be there to answer questions, offer information regarding what they're looking for, and even potentially begin hiring processes. KVMR's Felton Pruitt got the details from Marianne Connolly of the Alliance for Workforce Development, the organization that's making the event possible. We're talking with Marianne Connolly. She works with the Alliance for Workforce Development, who are going to be hosting a Meet Your Match job fair. It's happening Wednesday, May 3rd at the Grass Valley Vets Hall from noon to 4.30 p.m. It's a great way to get a gig. So, Marianne, why don't you tell us all about how to get a new job? Absolutely. We will have over 24 employers waiting there for you anxiously. So you'll be very welcomed. It is a free event. Do come as if it was a job interview. So you do try to to dress up a little bit. And if you would like to create a resume or maybe update your resume, please feel free to meet us here at our office at 988 McCourtney Road, Grass Valley. It's right across the street from the Draft Horse. It's in the Brighton Green Center with the county offices and Brighton Green Veterinary Office. We're open from 8 to 5. And we have lots of computers for you to use. I also have wonderful colleagues that will guide you through the process and just fine point all of your talents and your experience so that you can uh, impress the employers. And then when you get to the job fair, I see your little line here. It says, bring your resume and dress for success. Exactly. And it is a free event. So anytime between noon and 4.30, we are here with open arms waiting for you. That'll be on May 3rd. On May 3rd from noon to 4.30 at the Grass Valley Vet Hall on 255 South Auburn Street. And then there's some other things you have going too. There is. There's the Nevada Union School District. It's the transition fair. And there will be a group of folks downstairs with community agencies like Freed, Connecting Point, Pride Industries, Granite Wellness, Alta Regional Center, Department of Rehabilitation, and so much more, Neighborhood Center of the Arts, and uh, the Foster Youth Services. And they'll be there to support folks there that are either looking for jobs, but also just, you know, for support services to, you know, get ready for adult life. So that will be going on at the exact same time from noon to 4.30. It'll be downstairs. And uh, there'll be plenty of people there to answer any questions you might have or support you in any way that we can. Once again, where is that happening? That is happening at the Grass Valley Veterans Hall, 255 South Auburn Street in Grass Valley. So both of these events are happening at the Vets Hall on May 3rd. Exactly. The Meet Your Match job fair will be upstairs in the auditorium where the basketball courts are. And the transition fair will be downstairs where the dining area is. Excellent. And pretty much the transition is like you graduate from high school, you graduate from school, and now you got to go out into the real world, and this will help you transition to that. It's for students that are 16, ages of 16 to 22, with IEPs. And uh, so it's service providers. And so we're going about it as a holistic manner. 
for everyday support, and then also, too, if they'd like to look for a job. This sounds like two wonderful opportunities for folks. Once again, uh, give people the uh, information they need to bring to the job fair. Preferably bring a resume, a wonderful positive attitude, <laughs> and dress a bit, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, flip-flops and, and shorts, but you know, just dress up a little bit. And just know that you are in the right place when you arrive. Is there a website people can go to get more of this information? That would be at afwd.org. That stands for Alliance for Workforce Development.org. So afwd.org. So this is all happening at the Vets Hall in Grass Valley, Wednesday, May 3rd, noon to 4.30. If you need a gig, this is where to go and get a job. Hey, Marianne, thank you so much for all the information. Thank you, and I look forward to seeing everyone. The Idaho-Maryland Mine Project has been a topic of great interest within Nevada County since its initial proposal. On May 10th, the Planning Commission will hear public comments before making a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors on the proposed project. KVMR News Director Claudia Mendoza spoke with Public Information Officer Taylor Wolf to learn more. So a few next steps. How is this process going to unfold for the proposed Idaho-Maryland Mine Project? So on Wednesday, May 10th, we have our Planning Commission public hearing. At the May 10th public hearing, the Planning Commission will hear public comments before making a recommendation to our Board of Supervisors on this proposed project. Following the Planning Commission's recommendation, the Board of Supervisors will also hold a public hearing, and we expect that to be no sooner than August 2023, where our Board of Supervisors will consider the recommendation made by our Planning Commission on all the public and agency comments that we've received during the application process. Okay, so let me make sure that I understand this. On Wednesday, May 10th, the public has an opportunity to share their feelings about this project, but then there's going to be another meeting. That is correct. So there will be two public hearings on the project moving forward. On May 10th, we have the Planning Commission public hearing where they will hear public comments. People can speak before the Planning Commission. And at the conclusion of the public hearing, they will make a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors. Then months later, no sooner than August, again, the Board of Supervisors will also hold a public hearing where, again, the public will have an opportunity to make comments on the projects before the Board makes their final decision on the proposed Idaho-Maryland mine. I imagine there's going to be a big turnout. Is the county preparing for that? Yeah, people have been highly engaged in this project in particular. So we are planning to start this May 10th Planning Commission public hearing at 9 a.m. and go till 5 p.m. Uh, that Wednesday. We also know that the public hearing may be continued to Thursday, May 11th. And uh, if that is necessary, we plan to begin that at 9 a.m. But we want to remind folks who do want to come and make comment on this project to attend that Wednesday, May 10th meeting, as depending on how that first day goes, there could not be a second day of hearings on May 11th. So again, if you're interested in providing in-person public comment to the Planning Commission during the May 10th public hearing, please do plan to come uh, around 8.30, 9 a.m. 
to the Eric Root Administration Center will be in our Board of Supervisors Chambers on Wednesday, May 10th. Do not wait until Thursday, May 11th. There may not be that second day of public hearings. Clearly, people can show up and they can make their voice heard. Are there other ways to speak about this? There are opportunities to both show up in person, provide that um, verbal comment directly to the Planning Commission. There is also several ways to provide written public comment that will go to the Planning Commission and into the public record. Folks can email it to idaho.mmeir at nevadacountyca.gov. They can also mail their comment to the Nevada County Planning Department. That's at 950 Maidu Avenue, Suite 170 in Nevada City. Both email comment and mailed comment must be received no later than 5 p.m. the day before on Tuesday, May 9th, to be written into that public record. Also, people can go online to our website and they can actually submit e-comment before the close of the Planning Commission public hearing, so May 10th and possibly May 11th, if that meeting is continued to a second day. They can also submit printed and written copies of public comment directly to the Planning Commission clerks at the public hearing on May 10th as well. And these are all written opportunities in addition to showing up in person on May 10th uh, to address the Planning Commission It will be a first-come, first-served basis where we will be giving numbers outside of the board chambers, and speakers will provide public comment to the Planning Commission in groups of 10. So, for example, groups 1, speaker 1 through 10 will go in order first, and then 11 through 20 will be next, and our Planning Commission chair will help facilitate that process. Where can people get more information? For example, where is the EIR published? All of our project documents can be found on our website at nevadacountyca.gov slash IMMRISE, so stands for Idaho, Maryland, Mine, Rise. We also have a timeline, so we went over next steps and what this process looks like moving forward from the May 10th Planning Commission public hearing and beyond. People can view that process on our website as well. And again, that's nevadacountyca.gov slash IMMRISE. We have printed copies of the EIR and the staff reports and other supporting documents at the Nevada County Planning Department in the Eric Root Administration Center, our government building in Nevada City. We also have them at the Madeline Helling Library and the Grass Valley Library, so you can thumb through the physical binders and papers and look through those documents. I've been speaking with Nevada County's Public Information Officer, Taylor Wolf. Taylor, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Claudia. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, April 26th. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from Craig Johnson Plumbing family-owned plumbing and rooting service serving Nevada and Placer counties since 2004, providing plumbing installations and repairs, also emergency services for residential and commercial customers. Craig Johnson Plumbing at grassvalleyplumbing.com and MEC Builds, Nevada County roofing contractor with over 20 years of experience. 
providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. The showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley. MECbuilds.com Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. Thanks for listening and stay safe. I'm Julia Jem.